Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. On the screen up here, you see the family church for the family of God. That's our vision statement, and I, I get ridiculed for that quite a bit whenever I go to where all the professionals are, because they know that that's such an ambiguous term, such a big term, but that's our vision statement. But what does that exactly mean? Well, I have to ask the question, what is the purpose of the church? What is the purpose of the family? What's the purpose of government? Well, the preamble of, the gov- of, of our Constitution says to ensure our domestic tranquility. I looked that up to find out exactly what domestic tranquility meant. The definition that I came up with It means to ensure that peace, calm, and law and order coexist in the country. And for our first thoughts, boy, our country's in a mess. And we need to pray for our country. We need to pray for its leadership. But let's bring it a little bit closer home. Let's talk about our church, your church. I tell people all the time, when COVID hit, many of you know that we didn't close the doors. Now, we suspended service. We encouraged people not to come. There's about 50 folks that showed up every Sunday. And you know what? I told the board, I don't have the authority to tell them they can't come to their church. This is church belongs to you, belongs to God. It's his church. It's his church. And it's here for the community. And the families, I believe that all of our families should be a family for the family of God. And recently I was reading the Bible and it happened again. You say, what happened again? It seemed like so many times when I read the Bible, I find some stuff I've never seen. Do you you do that? I mean, the last time you read that, it wasn't there. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I saw something. And maybe if I'd seen it, it had never registered. It's in the book of Deuteronomy. And... Chapter 25, God has given out in, in Deuteronomy. I was talking to somebody the other day, said, Pastor, I'm reading Leviticus. Does it get any better? <laughs> Leviticus is basically laws. All the laws, the Old Testament law, that's what Leviticus means, the laws. But in Deuteronomy, he was giving out some Various and sundry laws. And in that law, 
he gave a reminder. How many knows we need reminders? <laughs> Excuse me. I don't have COVID. That's an allergy. I already take, I, I, I take an allergy pill every morning, but see on Sunday mornings, I take it about four o'clock and by now it's worn off. But it gives us a reminder and we, we often need reminding. Some of us may tie a string around our finger to remind us, but then we forget what the string's for. <laughs> uh, now some, you, one's just laughing that out, it's not exactly what I'm talking about. But in this passage, notice with me in chapter 25, verse 17. Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you came out of Egypt. How he attacked you on the way when you were faint and weary and cut off your tail. Those that, who were lagging behind you and he did not fear God. Now, I read that, and I said, now, does it say what I think it says? Now, any of you ever ask yourself, did that, did that say what I'm thinking it says? And sometimes when we look at it again, it didn't say what we thought it said. But I, I said, is, is this saying what I think it said? So I looked it up in other translations, and every one of them said the same thing. The Living Bible said this, remember that they fought with you, and struck down those who were faint and weary and lagging behind with no respect or fear of God. Do you remember Amalek? As you were just passing through the land. Now they weren't battling the Amaleks at that time. They were just passing through. But the Amaleks attacked all of the feeble people, all of those that were left behind, those loners, those were ostracized, those that were in the back of the pack. Now, I want to give you a real, real brief history lesson. This is not the message today, but I, I want to give you just a, a few sentence history lesson. See, God told Moses that the Amalekites should be destroyed. Why? Because they were creating all this problem. They were killing the people as they made their journey. If you fast forward to Saul's reign, remember Saul? God told Saul to destroy all of the Amalekites. Fast forward a thousand years to Esther. See, God told Moses to kill him. He told Saul to kill him. And then Saul killed most of them, but he allowed some of the Amalekites to live. Do you remember the story of Esther? Who was the bad guy in Esther? Haman. Guess who he belonged to? He was an Amalekite. Guess who was the descendant of Saul? Mordecai. That's not the message today. That's just a good story. 
The fact that, as Jerry mentioned, 37 years, in God's calendar of time, 37 years is nothing. A thousand years. And guess what Hammond's main goal in life was? To annihilate the Jews. To annihilate the Jews. To wipe them out. To kill them all. Now, we need to remember in today's story, that, that, that history lesson, that's free. You don't have to pay for that today. But remember the story, they were just passing through on their way to the promised land. How many knows that you and I are just passing through to the promised land? All of God's church is just passing through on the way to the promised land. Now the enemy that we know as Satan is out to destroy us, to keep you from getting to the promised land. Go with me to the book of John. John chapter 10. John chapter 10, reading verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief, the enemy, Satan, comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's written in red. That's Jesus saying, I came to give you life, but Satan is out to destroy you. And the situation is that Satan does not pick on the big strong people. He picks on the weak. The hurting, the lonely, the stragglers, those ostracized, those rejected. And a while ago when Lee asked about doing something with compassion, let me just ask some of you that are Christians, before you were saved, did somebody reach out in compassion to you? They saw you hurting. They saw you lonely. They saw you by yourself. They saw you, all these things we could go on and on, and you were desperate, and somebody reached out in compassion to you and rescued you. So today, I want you to visualize mankind. That's you and I. And ladies, I mean women as well as men. Mankind going through the enemy's territory. How many know that this earth 
the territory now belongs to Satan. I know we got God's kingdom, but listen, he's ruler of the earth. Huh? But God's our ruler, right? But on your way through, the enemy is wanting to destroy you. Where is the easiest targets? Those that are isolated. Those that are weak. Those that are far away from the flock or the fold. Those are the ones he wants to attack. See, very early on in the Bible, Cain asked a question. Remember what he'd said? Well, let's, let's look at it so you won't get it wrong. In Genesis chapter 4, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Now, I don't know how to visualize sin. See, it's just like Satan. How many knows that he takes on a lot of different sides? See, the enemy may take the alcohol bottle. Or it may take the form of prescription jugs. Or it may came the, take the form of a beautiful lady or a handsome man. It takes all kinds of forms. But whenever it says sin is crouching at your door, I like to think of the lion waiting to grab you. That's what God told Cain. He said, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Then Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother, Abel, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. I have to admit to you, when I first read that scripture uh, earlier, a uh, week or so ago, I said, you know, that's a great idea of being attacked, taking care of the weak and all that stuff. But is there enough there that I can preach a whole message? And Brother Bob, I could preach about four this morning from it. Because the reality is that Satan, the enemy, is seeking to kill Still in steal and destroy. Sin is still crouching at each one of our doors. I know somebody say, Well, I don't know about sin crouching. See, I'm reminded of what it says about Satan later on. Let's go over to First Peter. Some of you are way ahead of me. You know what it says in First Peter. Chapter 5, verse 6, where it says, humble yourselves. Now, I know that there's one verse that everybody was going to go to, but let's take it in its context here. Let's take it in its context. Humble yourselves, therefore, because listen, we need to realize that you and I need to humble ourselves because Satan is bigger than we are. He's stronger than we are. He's been practicing long and you've been alive. Now, I know for some of you that's hard to believe, but he has. <laughs> Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, 
Casting all your anxieties. What's another word for anxieties? Fears. What's another word? Stress. Phobias. Cast them all on him. Why? Because the good shepherd cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal kingdom in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So as we cast our needs upon the Lord, as we are watching and knowing that sin or Satan is seeking to destroy you, he's seeking to devour you, picture him staked at your door, ready to consume you. Now for those of us that are in Christ... We can rest assured to know that greater is he that is within you than he is within the world. But how many knows that everybody don't know that message? Everybody don't know that. Everybody doesn't understand and they don't realize that they have to be careful. They don't know what to do. See, Proverbs tells us, like a roaring lion or a charging bear is a wicked man ruling over a helpless people. A roaring lion, a charging bear. See, Satan is out there. And just like a pride of lions, just like a pack of wolves, just like so many things, what are they doing? They're looking for the weak. You go to nature, get a pack of wolves. They don't go pick out the biggest, meanest bull in the, in the herd. They go after the little ones. They go after the ones that are lost. They have to go after the ones that are separated. That's exactly what the Amalekites did. Go get the little ones. Go get those that's not even born yet. I think you've got the idea there. Somebody needs to protect them. Somebody needs to understand that Satan is just trying to destroy mankind. They're looking, he's looking for the weak ones. He's looking for those that can't defend for themselves. They're just waiting to be devoured. So then we ask the question, so what do we do? What's our responsibility? That's a good question. That's a good question. See, the psalmist says we need to rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Why? Because some people are weak. Some people need more help. I mentioned already Brother Harry, been married 70 years. How many knows he's going to need some encouragement? He's going to need some help. Why? 
Because that's a long time. And your family live and most of them live elsewhere. Weak. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hands of the wicked. Yes, we're the family church for the family of God because I believe that everybody needs a family. Amen. Everybody needs a family. Amen. They don't need to be in the world alone. James chapter 1, James chapter 1 verse uh, 27, just one verse. It says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. To visit the orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. But maybe, maybe we need to follow the advice that God gave through Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 2. Hear, O heavens and earth, or excuse me, hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. For the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know my people do not understand. How many knows that there's a lot of people that might have been influenced by the church in days gone by, but all of a sudden they don't even understand who God is. They are there by themselves. They think that they've got it under control. But Satan sees them as a weak person. Sees them as someone that's ready to be destroyed. And they don't know who to call out to. They don't know who to call out to. They don't know what the good shepherd, who the good shepherd is. So we ask the question, what's our responsibility to introduce them to the shepherd? To re rescue them. If you continue on reading in that same chapter, verse 16, he's telling us to do something. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. In other words, he told to us people that we think we're doing okay. But he says, if you're doing evil, quit it. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. You think those are the people that's ostracized? The people that are by themselves? And he says, come, now let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, though they, they shall be as white as snow, though they're red like crimson, they shall become like wool. See, we need to make sure before we try to bring somebody else in the fold that we're safe in the fold. Amen. We need to reason together, make sure we're there. But then we have that responsibility of reaching out to others. Years and years ago, I read a story of a little boy that fell out of bed. Some of you moms and maybe even dads remember that. Your son fell out of bed. The mama went running to him, picked him up, said, son, are you okay? He said, yeah, I'm okay. She said, well, what happened? And the boy said, I just guess I wasn't far enough in. <laughs> we can learn from that. We can learn from that. Not far enough in. 
I know some of you are saying, well, pastor, you're, you're really lambasting the church. I want you to know something. Pastors or shepherds are not extinct or exempt. Might be extinct, I don't know. <laughs> but we're not exempt. I said, we're not exempt. Right. Now, I'm gonna tell you something. The church has received a lot of ridicule some unjustly, but much of it is not unjustly because we have not defended those people that needed defending. Now, just so you know that I'm, realize that I'm not exempt as a shepherd, Ezekiel says this, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, our shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. I believe there's a lot of Christians, not just the shepherds, they're spiritual gluttons. We want all for us and not worried about somebody else. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You clothe yourself with wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. Now, what, what's that saying? Let's put it in kind of more modern English because we don't understand that. He said, we, you got shepherds that are dressing in $500,000, $600,000 suits, wearing Rolex watches, and could care less about the poor. There's something wrong with that picture. Now, I'm not against wealth. Matter of fact, if you want to give me money, I'll be glad to take it. <laughs> but I want you to know something. That's what God was saying to the, to the shepherds. He said, you're a lot more interested in feeding yourselves than feeding the sheep. The weak, you have not strengthened. The sick, you have not healed. The injured, you have not bound up. The strayed, you have not brought back. As I read that, that sounds just like what was going on in Deuteronomy, didn't it? Those that strayed, those that were weak, those that had drifted off, the lost you have not sought, <clears throat> and with forths and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or to seek for them. Romans chapter 1. And I could preach this a long time today, but bear with me a few more minutes. Romans chapter 14, verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith... Welcome him. But not to quarrel over opinions. I'm going to read that again. This is worth the price of admission. As for the ones who is weak in faith, welcome him. But not to quarrel over opinions. When someone staggers into the church, regardless of the cause... 
That's not the time to argue theology. That's not the time to try to swing them over to our thoughts of the rapture, if it's pre-trib or mid-trib or whatever. You say, aren't those important? Yes, they are. But when somebody's about to get eaten up by a lion, they could care less. Huh? He says, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. Let's drop over to chapter 15. We, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. Aren't you glad that you have the scriptures to give you hope? I want to tell you, I know you've heard me say this said, if you turn off the news a little bit and look to the scriptures, you'd have a lot more hope. Because you're not going to find much hope on the news channel. They'll let you know. You might gas up today because it's going up tomorrow. But we need to know that there's a hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. How did he welcome you? Well, like that old hymn says, just as we were. Just as I am without one plea, God accepted us. He accepted us. There are so many examples in the Bible. The woman at the well, what'd she do? She went immediately and brought her friends. She came there to get water. But she left her picture. Because something became more important. Said there's a man that told me everything I knew. Who'd she go to? She went to her friends. They didn't have Facebook. So she had to go in person. Said come see a man. Come see a man. Other great examples. John chapter 1. A couple of examples. Verse 40. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. The first thing he did. He said, first, he went and told his brother. We found the Messiah. We found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. Drop down to verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, and Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law 
And also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Went and found him. Went and found him. First thing he did. There's a story in the Bible that we call it the story of the prodigal son. Oh, great story. Powerful story about how the son drifted off. He left of his own volition. Now, we need to understand something, church. We, we have a tendency to say, well, they deserve what they're getting. I want to tell you something. None of us want to get what we deserve. Amen. There's not a one of us that want to get what we deserve. We want God's mercy. We want God's grace. And if someone has drifted off, that prodigal son left. The story of the prodigal son. It could just as be easily have been told the story of the loving father. Because his father had an unconditional love for his son. Even when his son had drifted away. Even when he was doing things that dad didn't want him to be doing. He loved him anyway. So he could have called it the story of the loving father. But I believe you also could have called it the story of the prodigal brother. Because the brother reminded me of so many church folks today. The fewer we have, the more power I have. The fewer to inherit, the more I get. Instead of saying, my brother's drifted off. He's left, and he's vulnerable. Let me go get him. I tend to believe that the father would say, go find him, son. Go do everything you can to bring him back. But he was more concerned about the fatted calf. He got upset because his brother came home, and they killed a fatted calf. They had a party. He said, Dad, you've never killed me, a fatted calf. And he told his son something that every one of you need to hear. He said, you had the fatted calf available every day. You could have had it. We live so far below what God wants us to live because we're worried about what God's doing for somebody else. Mm. Back in the Old Testament, there's a story. It's a true story. And I'm, 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 I'm getting ready to land the airplane. No, I'm circling the airport the last time. <laughs> there was a story about a, a siege. We heard how bad it is in Cuba. It wasn't bad in Cuba compared to this siege. It had gotten so bad that two mothers consorted to kill their babies and eat them. One of them said, we'll kill mine today and we'll kill yours tomorrow. It's bad. It was bad. 
But there were four lepers, four outcasts, four vulnerable people. They certainly would have qualified for the weak, the stragglers, the nobodies. See, the, the lepers of those days had to leave their hair uncombed so that people would know that they were lepers. So now I know what some of you have been trying to hide. <laughs> so they know. But they even had to go around saying, unclean, unclean, unclean. But they were hungry. And how many of those hungry people do desperate things? They said, we can starve here or we can go out and cast ourselves on that army and maybe they'll give us some scraps. They weren't expecting a full gourmet meal. Maybe they'd give us anything. And so they went to the enemy's camp to beg. And when they got there, all the food was still there. All their tents were still there. All the valuables were still there. And they pigged out. Now, I want you to know something. I mentioned spiritual gluttons a while ago, and I, I really believe that there's such thing as spiritual gluttons. But it's okay to pig out on the things of God. But once you've tasted it, once you understand it, you need to do the same thing these four guys did. They looked at themselves and said, you know, what we're doing is not good. We've got all this food. All this food, what are we going to do with it? We've got to share the good news. Now, I've got to throw this in. One of the guys at the gate, because Elisha had told him, by this time tomorrow, everybody get to eat. There'll be more food than you know what to do with. It's going to happen. And the guard says, it's not going to happen. I will not believe it unless I see it. I want you to know something. You better be careful what you say. Because Elisha said, you'll see it, but you won't get to eat it. And when those four lepers came, told them that there was food just down the road. And once they'd validated that and know that it was true, it was worse than Black Friday at Walmart's. <laughs> the guard was trampled to death. He saw it. They told him, there's food galore. And I just imagine somebody was probably eating on a turkey leg while he was telling them. But he never got to participate. Never got to participate. And these guys said, it's not good. We need to share and tell what we found. Folks, that's the reason we're committed to missions. Because we need to share what we found. That's the reason that we reach out to the children in our community because they're the most vulnerable. That's the reason that we're 
a family church for the family of God because everybody needs a family. And the ones that need it the most is the ones that don't have a family. See, it's all about the family. Not to get their name on a church roll, but to get their name on an eternal roll. To become a member of the flock so they don't need to be a loner anymore. Where the good shepherd will take care of his sheep. Let's pray. Holy Father, I thank you for your word. And as proud as I am to be a part of this great church, I'm prouder to be a part of the flock of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so glad, Father, that someone when I was just a kid reached out in compassion. And I was one of those poor kids. Well, my family loved me and I was not fatherless, but I had nothing materially. But that didn't matter. Someone loved me and shared Jesus with me. And I'm so thankful. Father, we just ask if there's those today that are not part of the family of God. That's my greatest prayer today. That they would not leave here without being a part of your family. Part of your flock. God, even if they're just passing through and may never be in Oxford Assembly again. That the good shepherd will see them and encourage them and love on them and look out for them so Father we ask you to minister and God if there are any of the sheep that belong to the fold that we would be consumed with the compassion that these same understanding that these lepers had what we're doing is not good we've got all the food we've got everything we need we need to share it we need to tell it so Father minister by your power and your strength today is our prayer and our desire on behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG we want to say thank you Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.